Hello, you wonderful woman. Welcome to the Love is Coming podcast. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, one of the UK's most successful love coaches, according to the Times Magazine, and author of the book, Love is Coming. It's my mission through this podcast to help single women, specifically female leaders, get powerful, soul-expanding relationships that revolutionize your growth, impact, and happiness during your time on planet Earth. Let's get straight to it. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to the show. I have got a treat for you today. I am interviewing and chatting to the gorgeous Nelly Sudri, who is the star of Roku TV's hit series, Match Me in Miami. With over 900,000 followers on TikTok and Instagram combined, Nelly has become the top dating coach for high-value singles all around the world, and her dating advice videos have garnered over 20 million likes across social media, plus her content has transformed the love lives of millions of men and women. So Nelly, I'm very thrilled to have you here today. How are you doing, my love? I'm thrilled to be here today too. I'm doing great. I know you're, uh, you know, a little bit sick right now. So I really appreciate you taking the time to interview me. And I'm so excited to finally chat with you. Me too, me too. So we're going to dive straight in. So when I was preparing for this podcast and researching you, I got my stalker vibes on and I found out some really interesting, perhaps even unexpected things about you. So I read that you got a master's degree in conflict resolution and negotiation from Columbia University and you're also trained in mediation. So I'm really interested to understand like what inspired you to get into the business of love and matchmaking given your background? Well, it all kind of happened by accident, to be honest with you, Persia. I was working a corporate job back in 2020 that I had been in for almost five years, moving up the corporate ranks, and I stumbled upon TikTok. And I suppose what inspired me to answer your question is um, my friends and my sister and even my own personal love at the time seemed to have a common denominator. And that was, you know, things like ghosting and, you know, these modern dating challenges that no one talks about. And I remember at the time, my sister in particular was going through um, some boy issues and TikTok had just come out. It was the, you know, popular, it still is popular, but at the time it was, you know, the new dance app that everyone was on during, um, you know, COVID. So I took to the app and I just posting fun little videos, what to do if a guy ghosts you, how to text your crush, those kinds of things. And to my surprise, they actually did really well in terms of viewership. And people started commenting and following me and, oh, what do I do in this situation? And from there, it kind of spiraled into what it is today, which is a full-blown business. And, you know, cut to, I ended up quitting my job. And at the time, because I was working a corporate um, position, I originally thought I was going to get an MBA because that was kind of what you do in that world. You just, you know, eventually go get your MBA. And I did a pre-MBA course. And after that, um, I realized I don't really like math so much. And I actually don't think this is what I was put on this planet to do. And that inspired me getting my master's in conflict resolution and negotiation because I was only 25 at the time. Maybe I was 24 and a half. I can't remember exactly, but I was young. And so even though I thought I had, you know, a great message to share and my advice was clearly, you know, helping people. And I could see that in the, in the comments, there were still people who questioned my credibility because of my age. And that's what really inspired me to get that degree. And, you know, once I quit my job and I pursued content and, you know, my degree, 
I had this opportunity to be a part of the television show. And um, that's kind of how I got to where I'm at. And you are bloody good at it. You really are eloquent. And, you know, you talk a lot about this idea of being a high value woman. And I feel I feel like you really emanate that. You know, you know who you are. You're bold. You're strong. And it's it's really magnetic for to watch. But so I... Fun. I want to know, and I know that there'll be some people listening who go like, what actually does constitute a high value woman or man when it comes to romance? Well, I believe high value women and high value men have different definitions. Um, And the reason is when we're talking about being a high value woman or a high value man, we're talking about it in the context of the dating marketplace. So you can be a valuable member of society, but your value in the dating marketplace, in other words, the pool of singles is based on the demands of that marketplace. So for example, if you're a heterosexual woman and you're in the dating pool, uh, attracting a man, you're competing with other women. And so your value is going to go up or down depending on the people you're competing with and the type of man you're trying to get with. And it's very simple and straightforward and people have a tough time swallowing this pill because I think a lot of people are very sensitive and they hear value and they think, oh, so I'm not a valuable human if I don't have X, Y, Z. No, you're still valuable, but your value in the dating marketplace is different. Um, And the way I like to compare it is almost, let's say if you were applying to jobs, let's say you wanted to work at Microsoft or Apple, your value in the pool of applicants might be different to that company depending on who you're competing with. If someone's gone to Harvard and has, you know, 10 years of experience and, you know, they have incredible uh, resume and referrals, their value as an applicant, it might be higher than yours if you haven't, you know, gotten that many accolades or you don't have as much experience. So that's kind of how I like to compare it. And we have, you know, different pools of things in different sectors. You have the college, you know, applicant pool, just like you have the dating pool. So when we talk about high value women in particular, I believe there are a few characteristics that make a high value woman high value in the dating marketplace. And one of those is, are you discerning? You know, if you're not discerning with the types of men, for example, that you're choosing to go out with and you're just, excuse my French, but spreading eagle for every guy, then you don't value yourself and your value in the dating marketplace goes down. And I will say, you know, I've interviewed several men now. I did a street interview series. Plus I coach a lot of people and I'm also a matchmaker. Um, The more pursuous you are in a sense, men don't really like that. So if you're, you know, one of those women who's just not discerning, or let's say hypothetically you're getting involved with losers and then you have baggage from those relationships that you're still harboring, that's gonna lower your value too. Discipline, Um, disciplined in all aspects. This kind of, I mean, again, you know, not to totally swear, but do you have your shit together? And that's not just, by the way, career-wise, physically too, right? If you're not taking care of yourself physically, you're not in shape, you've let yourself go, you're not maintaining yourself, your value in the dating marketplace is gonna go down because, other women who are doing those things might be more appealing, more attractive to the most eligible bachelors out there. That's part of the definition when we're talking about those characteristics. Um, And also feminine, femininity. Um, You know, men want to be around women who make them feel like men and who let them 
shine in their masculinity. And if you don't know how to embrace your femininity, and I believe we all have a combination of masculine and feminine energy within us, it might be different ratios depending where you're at. But if you don't know how to lean into that softer side where you're more nurturing and you're more, um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, feminine energy just means you're submissive. Not necessarily. It's about learning how to receive and not resist. And I work with a lot of women who are very successful in their careers. And so they're so used to leading that when someone comes into their life, they don't know how to let them lead them. So that's part of the definition as well of high value women. There are a lot of characteristics, but ultimately a high value woman Someone who's competitive in the dating marketplace um, and someone who's, I would say, the most, one of the most valuable types of women when it comes to what men want. Um, so it's kind of the sim similar, you know, but reverse for men. Are you valuable to the pool of women that you're trying to attract? Um, it's very uh, much, I think, studied at this point. There are lots of studies that show that women tend to rank socioeconomic status and prestige as being a top thing that they look for in men. And attractiveness is up there also. It's not number one, but it's up there. It's top five. So for a man, when we talk about high value men, are you successful? And yeah, we're going to quantify that. Successful is not, you know, some arbitrary thing. It's putting it into numbers. Like, yes, how much money are you making? Are you making over a hundred thousand dollars? Why? Because women want safety and they want security. And a lot of women, especially ones who are looking to have a family, they need to know that they can trust you to support the family if things go the other way. So those are some of the characteristics that go into high value men. Are you well-groomed? You know, you can't get to the top, for example, of an organization if you look like a schlump, if you look like a slob. you got to take care of yourself too, men. And are you connected? Are you living a life of integrity? If you're wealthy, but you're doing shady business, well, that's not ensuring a woman's safety or security either. So when we talk about high value women and high value men, we're talking about the most desirable men and women in the dating marketplace. And we use that word interchangeably, desirable, valuable. Your value as a woman will dictate how desirable you are to the most eligible singles. And that, like I said, is not arbitrary. Like we talk about eligible bachelors. We're not talking about just like any guy. We know what that is, right? If you want the most successful man and you want the leader of the pack and you want, you know, the best possible guy you could get, you're going to have to bring something to the table too and vice versa. What I fucking love about you is you just cut the shit. <laughs> you say <laughs> stuff that most people are thinking, but they feel like Oh, we can't possibly say that. But what mm -hmm. I also, I mean, there's so much you said that that I completely agree with. And um, I mean, just fucking on point, quite frankly. One thing I really loved was that you said, like, it, this is, it's it's context, isn't it? Because it depends on the kind of person you, you are, you want. So for example, mm -hmm. if someone is, uh, let's just say, I'm going to speak for me and my husband. We are definitely on the hippier side of the equation. We are, you know, we put on a festival. We love festivals. We travel. We we quite like slumming it in a room. We like a bit of luxury, but we are, you know, we're hippies. We are. And so for us, like the qualities that are important and what would make, so, like what made my husband very appealing to me, is going to be very different. Even though I actually am from the city, I'm kind of half city, half countryside girl. Very different some of my friends or some of my clients who they want to be in. And listen, I've done that lifestyle. I've been in all the top bars and all of that. But that was just not really my thing. So it, it depends on what you deem as valuable as well, because mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It is it like it's 
like what is attractive to one person isn't necessarily going to be attractive to the other. So you've got to be really clear on what what va- what are your top values? What are your top priorities? Mm-hmm. And, and how do you define them? So I love that. And I also love what you were talking about discernment. So I have a program called Love for Leaders and it's, it's three phases. It's heal, attract, commit. And it's really fucking intensive and confronting, but it's amazing. And in the part of attract, this is always what people come to me asking about. They want to know, how do I date? How do I become more? eligible how do I attract more high value men Mm -hmm. and what I talk about are the four keys and the first one being magnetic energy Uh, that's pretty much a given I think most people understand that the second one is powerful discernment and that's Mm -hmm. you know boundaries knowing your worth knowing how to you know all of those sort of things then it's effective communication which most women uh, from the we've surveyed thousands of women that's the one that they struggle with the most and also the last one is radical surrender which is you can do all the right things you can do all the work on yourself to put you in the best possible place but ultimately you know you cannot there are no guarantees that's what I'm trying to say there are no guarantees like Mm -hmm. you you know you do your best and then ultimately I believe it's really up to the universe like that what else can you do so I love you talked about discernment there what is your take on the idea of you know, you doing all the work on yourself, but but there is a degree, I guess, of chance and of of needing to surrender when it comes to the results. Yeah, it's a great question. And my response to that is there's a great quote, luck is where opportunity meets preparation. So if you're not prepared to receive and you haven't done the work you need to do, then the opportunity could come about but you're not going to be able to capitalize on it. I also am a big believer in the universe, source energy, and the power of manifestation. Um, And I have a whole course dedicated to that. It's called Manifesting Mr. Right. Because I believe that you have every person within, you know, certain extent, right, has the ability to channel the kind of energy and visualize the future life that they want for themselves. And I think if you fixate your attention on something, you know, what's that quote? Oh gosh, I'm quoting so many things, but where your attention goes, your energy flows. That is truly, I believe the crux of manifestation. I think for women, for example, who are listening or men, you know, if you're single right now and you want that life partner, and maybe you want hypothetically, I'm not speaking for everyone, but let's say example, you want um, children, you want to get married, you want to have a home and you, um, you know, that type of life and you have an idea of the type of person you want to be with, then start to think about you being in that position where you already have it and visualize that. I actually think it's a, it's a practice that a lot of people fail to do, but you have to actually brainwash yourself into the point where it becomes a habit. And it's almost like every morning and every night waking up and you're thinking about future you, how does future you walk, talk, act, date, move through this world right? For example, you mentioned that you and your husband are hippies. Okay. I have a friend who is obsessed with Johnny Depp and your hat is just reminding me of Johnny Depp right now. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and you know, if, for example, you wanted to attract like Johnny Depp type of guy, right? Someone who's a little bit more eclectic and maybe hippie-ish and you're rugged. Think about, okay, what kind of woman would a man like that want? And am I positioning myself to meet a man like that, right? Am I branding myself that way? Maybe a man like that would want someone who's in shape. Maybe a man like that would want someone who appreciates live music. Maybe a man like that would want someone who has a cool style, right? So 
start to position yourself that way. And this is where people get mad. They say, oh, well, I don't want to change myself for a man. If you want something different, you're going to have to do something different. And change is not a bad thing. If it's going to get you to a place where you're actually going to be more satisfied, you don't have to change a thing about yourself if you don't want to, but expect nothing else to change either. And that's where a lot of women in particular get mad. It's the same as if I said to a man, like putting it on the other, you know, the, the shoe on the other foot. If I said to him, if a man came to me and said, Nelly, I want to date a Victoria's Secret supermodel. I want her to look like this. I want her to be glamorous and um, all these things. And he, let's say, was not making enough money really to put himself in those circles. I would say to him, you're going to probably have to change your income level. You know, you're probably going to have to do certain things that are going to get you A, around those women, but B, put you in a position to attract those kinds of women. And you don't hear men saying, oh, well, I don't want to change my income level. No, it, you know, it's women in particular who say things like, I don't want to change my appearance, but you have to do something different if you want, like I said, to get a different outcome. And I don't think, I think change is a great challenge when it's some, when it's going to put you in a position to attract what you want. I completely agree. And actually that leads me on to the next question I was going to ask you. You got quite a lot of flack for a scene in Match Me in Miami about giving a client a makeover. Mm-hmm. Can you just explain what the situation was and why people were triggered by it and what your response was? Because you're kind of you're kind of leading into that anyway. And I thought it was I thought it was great because it was it was just fucking honest and direct. Really? I love it. Oh, thanks, Persia. Well, so that particular scene, I had a client that came to me and her wish list was I want a Fortune 500 CEO meets NFL player. I want him to make a minimum of a quarter million dollars a year. And you know, I basically want a high value man is what she was saying. And not just high value, but like we're talking top 10% because the average income in America is I believe under $40,000 a year, uh, somewhere around that. So when we're talking about a quarter million dollars a year, plus a lot of status in the corporate world and an athlete, meaning someone who's in great shape, we're talking about really, you know, high value men here. She, I believe was 41 or 42. She was a bodybuilder. And, um, candidly speaking, it did appear to me that she maybe was taking, and I guess this is speculation, but it seemed maybe taking performance enhancers of some sort because she had a very, uh, masculine build, um, and to a point that honestly was not very natural looking. Um, and by the way, nothing wrong with that. If that's your lifestyle, just like there are a lot of people who get plastic surgery and it doesn't look natural either. Right. So you live your life, but Um, She had also fire engine red hair and it just, the package was in need of some freshening up in my opinion. And that's Mm -hmm. partly because I put myself in the shoes and I've worked with a lot of men who are of that, you know, high caliber, um, you know, corporate executives, whatnot. I had to ask myself, if I was that man, what would I want in a woman? And based on the information that I already have too, I know what that type of man is looking for. And we're in Miami. It's a very competitive city. One of the most beautiful, you know, some of the most beautiful people in the world live in Miami. We're not talking about some small town in Arkansas. So we think about how competitive the dating pool is. And then we think about what this kind of man is looking for. Plus, and women don't like this either. We have to acknowledge 41 years old, you know, and the physical aspect. In my opinion, 
Men like that, like I said, want feminine, uh, attractive women. And yes, we can say attractive is all uh, in the eye of the beholder. In my opinion, it's actually straightforward. Are you fit for your body type? And yes, she was very fit, but she was overly fit to a point that it looked unnatural. Um, are you classy? Are you positioning yourself in a way that isn't super revealing, right? So when we think about that type of man, I think it's pretty common sense what a guy like that wants. And if you don't believe me, look at all the types of men. Look at Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's an example of that Fortune 500 CEO type athlete, in my opinion. He's kind of like that type of guy. He was with a Maria Shriver. He was not with a bodybuilder. So we think about that. And then we think about this particular client. It made sense to me that a makeover was appropriate. Tack on the fact too, that she's in a very male dominated industry and she has a lot of masculine energy because of that. Because think about it, you're bodybuilding. That's not a feminine activity necessarily. You're going to be in that space and you're 41, which is like I believe personally, in a place where you're less malleable, right? We think about 23 year olds, they're more malleable. They're more impressionable. It's why a lot of older men sometimes try to manipulate younger women. Um, 41, you kind of can't be manipulated that easily in my opinion. So all of these factors led to me giving her a makeover and I stand by my decision to do so. Now, why were people triggered? Because like I said, there are a lot of women who want to believe that you can do what you've always done and get something different. And that all of your, you know, they also, I believe, think that manifestation is purely something that you just can hope and wish and wait and cross your legs and close your eyes and it's all going to come. There is a lot of work that comes with manifestation. Manifestation is being able to see your desires manifest into reality. That's what it is. It's not the process of sitting at home. That might be a step, but that's not the whole process. So People get mad because also I think they want to believe that you can, you know, look any way and get any man. And that's false. Just like a man can't be any income and get any woman. So women have a tough time swallowing that. And I think they have a difficult time acknowledging, I should say modern women have a difficult time acknowledging that uh, the almost equivalent of a man's success is a woman's beauty. Beauty is currency in the dating marketplace. So that's why I gave her a makeover. And that's why people got mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and listen, I, I again agree. Cause the fact is people, this can be really triggering for some people, but I'm like, you, what you are doing is just looking at the data. You're looking at the data and you can, people can agree with it or not, but let's be honest, that is the reality. And also I say this to women all the time, like, so why is it okay for you to sit here with your checklist of he's got to be attractive, successful, emotionally available, all of these things, and you're not fucking willing to do anything? Yeah. No. I say in, uh, in my book, Love is Coming, I talk about the, basically the message of that is stop looking outside of yourself for the partner you want to get, start, start looking inside of yourself for the partner you want to be. I.e., mm -hmm. if you are saying, I want to like, uh, you know, have this really successful, whatever, you know, you've got to become the thing that you desire to attract. It's got to be a match. Otherwise yes. it doesn't make, it's, it's just, it's logical. And a lot of the time, yeah, I've had pushback. Like some women, they're like, totally get it, makes sense, get on with it. And things happen for them. Some women, it's, it's, it's the, exactly what you said. It's that resistance to change. And it's the, but I should just be loved as I am. It's like, yeah, 
But yes, you should. You you are lovable. That this is not a question of you being lovable. It's not a question of being you being um a you know worthy. But there is a degree of practicality and kind of lifestyle here. If you mm. want to have a really fit, sexy man, how do you think he's got fit and sexy? <laughs> he ain't sitting on his ass eating fucking KFC chicken all day long, watching right. TV. Well, you, you know? You brought up something really interesting. And you said, why can't, you know, you, the example of why can't someone just love me for me, right? Well, here's what I've noticed. The men who are willing to love you for you, you don't want. You want a man who's better. And that is a lot of women need a reality check because if you want something better or someone better, I should say, you're going to have to become someone better. That's going to require change. And if you don't want to do the work, no worries but you need to start lowering your expectations and accepting the type of people who frankly are on your level, or you can make a choice to stay single for the rest of your life. But the women who I believe have unrealistically high standards that they cannot meet themselves on the equivalent side, those women, in my experience and what I've observed, stay single for a very long time perhaps their whole life. And then it gets harder and harder. Once you hit 40, 50, 60, it gets harder and harder. It gets lonelier. And at the end of the day, you know, if you're not willing to do the work, I think companionship should still be something to strive for. You know, like it's good. Your friends aren't always going to be there for you. Your family, you know, isn't necessarily going to always be there for you. If you, you know, let's say you're an only child and you just got two parents. Well, not to sound morbid, but like, everyone's, you know, no one's going to live forever. It's nice to have someone to spend your life with. This is by, by the way, I think I was reading a statistic, Persia, 50% of women over 30 are unmarried and childless. Wow. Yeah. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's your choice, I don't personally believe a lot of women using that. Um, I think that's just the circumstance because women are hypergamous. And so the more intelligent and the more successful you get as a woman, the more you demand someone who's your equal or higher. But if you're, let's say, at the peak and pinnacle of your career and you're 36 years old as a woman and you're making half a million dollars a year and you've got a master's degree, well, the type of man who's your equivalent, he's trying to date 25-year-olds who maybe have not neglected their appearance hypothetically. So that's the reality that a lot of women have a hard time accepting. Yeah. And yeah. You think it's your foot in the door. Like as in your, you know, you might be amazing and all that and a bag of chips personality wise, and you got the resume and all these things. But if you can't attract a man, you're not even going to get the first date. And that's the barrier to entry. Mm, you're saying it like it is. I bloody love it. I'm so here for it. Okay. And on that note, of let's, you know, let's keep being controversial. Why fucking not? Yeah. Let's look at the data. Let's look yeah. at the data. The data doesn't fucking lie. You know, I swear so much, Nelly. I apologize. I know it's it's absolutely, I've got a sewer for a mouth. I can't help it. Um, but st another statistic, 50% are more like, uh, hold on, you're 50% more likely to get a divorce when the wife out earns the husband. Mm -hmm. Disgust. Talk to me. Well, and I also think along with that statistic, you're 300%, he's 300% more likely to cheat. Um, I think the reality is when you're reversing that gender role, and by the way, we're not talking necessarily, I mean, the statistic is the statistic, but I think we're talking more about like a large wealth discrepancy. 
Um, for example, I had one particular client who was a multimillionaire um, woman and she was dating a man who didn't have a penny to his name. You know, like we're talking about massive wealth discrepancies here. What happens is if a woman is responsible for the majority of bills, then she's going to start to resent her man because she feels he's not pulling his weight enough. And then she's making all the decisions. And let's say he wants to be an equal in that relationship when it comes to financial decision-making. Well, then it becomes, I'm making money. This is my money, not your money, right? Men don't really have that thought process. I think men are more in the camp of like, this is our money. But when you have a woman who's in that position, then she's starting to become resentful of her man because she's out earning him. And so it, you know, it, it can create a lot of tension. And I think men also sometimes feel emasculated in those situations because they want to be an equal. And in their mind, you know, maybe it, you know, the woman should know what she had signed up for perhaps. So a lot of men might seek out other women to feel more masculine because they don't necessarily have their needs met in their relationship. Maybe, you know, that tension develops into a place where they're not intimate anymore. And so he's getting intimacy somewhere else. The, the crux of it really is that the majority of the time, in my opinion, and this is just an opinion, I think relationships work best when the man is out earning the, the woman. Um, because I just believe that the gender, the gender roles, to an extent, are there for a reason. And I think that they help. And I think women also, a lot of the times part of being feminine is like I said, liking to be led. And so if a man is making those financial decisions and he's out earning you, you feel in a way like more somehow feminine. Um, now, of course there are exceptions to the rule. Um, I, for example, love, uh, Sarah Blakely. She's a, the founder of Spanx. She's a billionaire. She's married to Jesse, um, forget his eyes in something, Eitzler. But let's be honest, he still has a $300 million net worth. It's not like he's broke, you know? Yeah. He's so, doing all right. <laughs> he's all right. And I also think he's so confident in his masculinity that it yeah. can work. So yes, it can work. But typically, you know, the numbers are the numbers. And I think most women that I've coached, the wish list is always, I want a man who's making more money than me. Mm, yeah, I think, I agree. I think, look, again, data don't lie. Major majority of time, um, because this is like the context again that we have for romantic relationships. When a man out earns um, his wife, we we it's familiar. We understand that dynamic. It's not to say it can't work the other way round, but it's it, uh, you're up against more. You're up against more. And yeah. I think that that like I think a lot is changing, and I think it'd be interesting to see where we are in a hundred years. But let's just you know where we are now. I think that's pretty accurate. I want to mm -hmm. ask you a question now that's completely uh, different from where we've been. I'm interested to hear about a heartbreak or one of your biggest heartbreaks in your life, and an important lesson that you learned from it. Well. A heartbreak is never easy for anyone. Um, you know, it can be difficult to pull yourself out of that, you know, emotional state when you're in the thick of it. Um, I know what that feels like. One quote that always stuck with me whenever it comes to a heartbreak is if you were okay before you met them, you'll be okay after. And I always go back to that because in those moments you feel really shattered and you feel like I'll never get back to myself and I'm going to feel like this forever. But 
keep thinking about you were okay before you met them. You're going to be okay after. In fact, you're probably going to be stronger after as well. And I actually think that, you know, people come into your life to sometimes teach you something. And so even, you know, a lot of people have a tendency when it comes to heartbreak, especially if it was like a rough breakup, they have a tendency to feel sorry for themselves and, oh, woe is me. And they did this to me. I like to flip the switch a little, look at it through a lens of abundance, Persia, which is what can I learn from this? How am I better because of this? How can I make this something that actually equips me more? For example, maybe it's, listen, this sucks. At least now I know what I don't want in a partner. Maybe they cheated on you and you're like, now I know that cheating is something, you know, these are the signs and, and these are the qualities that this person had that I see that I can now look out for in the future. That's just an example. Mm, I completely agree. I always say that I have the relationship I have with my husband today because of the fucking horrific heartbreak I went through in my mid 20s. Mm. I would never have chosen it, but it is the best thing that ever happened to me because I could not escape my bullshit anymore. I had to like deal with my stuff. And, you know, talking about high value women, that is the reason I was like, I had to look at my stuff and really start upgrading a lot of different aspects of myself um, and really, you know, treat myself better. Really, that was the, that was the biggest lesson I learned. Fucking treat myself better. If I want to be treated incredibly by a man, by a high value man, as I under, like perceived a high value man to be the right one for me, I needed to start treating myself better. So I love mm. that you shared that. So what I also love from all my stalking of you, Nelly, is like <laughs> me, you love a good copy. You love a good bit of copy and a good headline, an eye-catching, attention-grabbing uh, headline. And there were a few that really grabbed me. And I listen, everyone's going to be rushing over to your Instagram when we pop this out, but I am just going to be cheeky and just see if you would be willing to share on a couple of things that you okay. uh, share on Instagram. So one of your posts was confident women do these four things. Can you, that was from a while back. Can you remember what those four things are or any of those four oh things? Gosh. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember the context of that. I feel like I've made so many renditions of that, that video. <laughs> um, I think, you know, confident women, when it comes to dating, uphold their standard. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of women, for example, where they're like, oh, hypothetically, you know, oh, I need a proper dinner date to give someone a chance or I need three days notice. But then a guy walks into their life who they perceive as being the best they can do. And all those standards go out the window and they're like, I'll sleep with him on the first date, you know. Um, and so I think if you learn to uphold your standard, you're going to actually be able to command the kind of respect that you really deep down need and want. Um, I secondly think that confident women know their own value and they don't, you know, if you're not super clear on what you bring to the table, it's going to be hard to decipher when someone's coming correct or not. And for me, for example, I know what I bring to the table. So there are certain things that I will and won't entertain because of that. And in my coaching experience, especially with younger women, I've noticed that a lot of them don't have that. They haven't, they haven't really taken the time to think about those things. Um, and I also think confident women in respecting themselves do so in all aspects of life. You're respecting yourself physically. So you're taking care of yourself. You're respecting yourself mentally. So you're not going to let yourself get caught up in the game playing. And you're not, you know, afraid to be assertive, but in a feminine way. A lot of women, I think, challenging time as well, Persia, from what I've observed in my coaching, where they feel that it's one or the other. They either have to be so direct to a point where they're like mean or, you know, they're just going to be a pushover. No, there's a way to assert yourself. 
that's soft, you know, Hey, unfortunately I can't make that time on Tuesday because I actually have something else, but, um, I'm free these days. It doesn't have to be, I can't believe you would ask me out at the last minute. You know, there's a way to communicate. Yes, I love that. And that's, yeah, that's something I talk about all the time. And it's a skill set. Like we were not taught how to uh, communicate well, especially Mm -hmm. in a dating context. Something you actually have to go and put a bit of time and energy into in the same way that you would go to the gym if you want to work on your body. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm only going to give you one more of those annoying things. (laughs) And I think this, hopefully this will be a little bit easier, but it it was such a good title. And I know every woman wants to know this, how to make them chase you. Ooh, okay. Um, I think the big thing is don't chase them. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're chasing someone, you're not giving them enough space or creating that elasticity for them to come to you. And I always say, especially to women, because I find women in particular have this thing where when you start really liking a guy, for example, you help but want to like text them. And then it's almost like an itch you need to scratch. If they haven't reached out to you in a few days, you're like, well, I want to make sure I'm still in front of their, you know, their face and on their radar. So I'm going to, I'm going to do things that I don't want to do. And that's when you start feeling like you're moving into that chasing energy. I believe, um, when you take on the mindset of if they want me, they'll show it, then you're putting yourself first. I also think when it comes to chasing, It needs, like, there's nothing wrong with dropping a handkerchief. There's nothing wrong with making a move in a subtle way um, and showing interest. It's when you repeatedly feel like you need to do that, that I think you start to move into that chasing mindset. Um, Reminds me of one of my clients who I was just talking to the other day, and uh, she has a tendency to overly drop the hint. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's not delicate. It's like, well, I guess you don't like me then. I thought we were, I thought we were moving in a direction then to guys who frankly, she's just met, you know, or accusing them of like the girls they follow on Instagram. It's like, they're not your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when you start to chase. That's mm-hmm. why they're blocking you. That's why it's not going the way, you know, they're running away. You're chasing them. So they're running away. Yeah. Um, whereas there's a way to kind of subtly and, and in a feminine way, convey your interest be flirty, be teasy, but don't overdo it. You don't have to lay it on so thick to a point where it makes you look desperate. I love that you did the handkerchief um, little thing there, the handkerchief thing from Shakespeare's play Othello and what they used to do in Victorian eras where they would yeah. uh, they would drop their handkerchief. A woman would drop mm-hmm. her handkerchief to show that she was interested in a man and then the man would run and chase her with it you know so I loved that that was a very on point love that so we're starting to wrap up now I could talk to you forever you've got so many bloody good tips everyone needs to go over to your Instagram we'll we'll share those links shortly um but I have this last section of the podcast where we it's called the home straight questions the home straight so we are coming to close so there's like a, a rapid lightning round so just quick answers the first thing that comes to your mind First question, what is the worst dating advice out there in your opinion? Worst dating advice out there in my opinion is you don't need to do anything different. Like, you know, you can just, the right, the right person will just come. You'll just find them. And I don't believe in that because I think if you're at home all hours of the day and then you're at work, you're not putting yourself out there in a way where you're going to meet someone, you got to, 
I believe diversify when it comes to dating. And that means get on the apps, go to that bar, do that hobby, get out of the house, start to do the types of things that the person that you're trying to attract would be doing as well. And just hoping that the person, you know, love is just going to find you, I think is a very naive approach. I think you got to be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to dating. Mm -hmm. Love that. What's one thing people may be surprised to know about you, Nelly? Oh gosh. Um, hmm. Well, I think that I am kind of a goofball and I have a very dry sense of humor um, around certain people. Like I can just go into total like goofy mode. And I think they'd be surprised to see that because I think online I come across quite composed and overly maybe intellectual and maybe mean too. I think some people perceive me as being mean. Um, I don't think, you know, based on, I have lots of friends. I'm, I'm a very, I've been told in person, I'm very sweet. So I'd be surprised. I, I think people would be surprised to know that, but you know, that's just, I think part of the deception of social media is mm-hmm. a people pick and choose, including myself, what they want to show the world and B, you know, you don't really know someone until you know them. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Social media is just but a like teeny tiny part of us just and it's a very curated part of us. So I totally agree. Um, What love life advice would you give to your 15 year old self? 15 year old self? um, Love life. So I went to an all girls school. So there was pretty much no exposure to boys. (laughs) Um, I think at 15, love life was kind of non-existent. But I would just say, have fun, go to that school dance. I think so. I was always very nervous, I think, around boys. And I remember I'd get invited to these like, um, we had these uh, school, they called them like balls. Um, and so I'd be kind of, I remember getting invited once to this ball by some guy I had um, an extracurricular activity with. And I was so nervous and you know, it's just like, have fun. You're 15. Like, don't overthink it. You know, and I always kind of was like a little bit more um, into my studies. So yeah, have fun. High achiever, high achiever, like myself. Love it. Um, Okay. So before I ask my final question, where can people find out more about your work? They can find out more about my work on one of my two websites. So my main website, nellysudry.com is where you can enter my free base or book a session with me or apply to be a matchmaking client. Um, And then my website where I have the Manifesting Mr. Right course that thousands of women have taken and seen tremendous results with is ask-nelly.co. And there's a free 30-minute video on that website that anyone can watch on how to master your energy. And you can decide after that video if you want to enroll in the course or not, but it's a great video for anyone, by the way, who's just looking to have some kind of free tips. Perfect. We will pop those links in the show notes. We'll also pop your Instagram on there as well, because like me, you will, you guys will be stalking her and just there's so much great content. Okay. So final question before we wrap up, what is your, and you've given a lot already, but let's see if there's anything else. What is your number one piece of advice for anyone, uh, any single women who are listening to this, who are killing it in their career, but really struggling in their love life? 
Um, my number one piece of advice is approach your love life the way you've approached your career. So take the time to really think about what is important to you, what you want, visualize it. You know, a lot of women, I think they think about, and they visualize getting that promotion, getting that degree, making that much money, apply that same process to visualizing yourself being in that relationship, visualizing yourself receiving those types of good morning texts, good night texts, the treatment, planning your wedding, planning your honeymoon, whatever it might be that you want, start to be serious about that. And then also, I think, like I said before, where your attention goes, your energy flows, do the things you need to do to meet the type of person you want to meet. If that's taking up the kind of hobbies, like let's say you want to meet someone who's athletic. Okay. Are you doing, are you golfing? Are you playing pickleball? Are you playing paddle? You know, you go to the ski hill, invest in yourself those ways. Like maybe pay for the premium dating app service or hire a matchmaker. Again, it takes effort and it's tough because we taught this from a very young age that love is just going to come and we can just kind of sit in the way, Miss, you know, Prince Charming or Princess Charming is going to walk into our life. It's not like that anymore. We're living in a digital interconnected world and you have to get in the game. Mm, mic drop mic drop yeah. I completely agree I love that you've been an amazing guest there's so much really practical and tangible stuff in here um you've been wonderful thank you so much for coming on the yeah. show Nelly thanks Persia I had a great time and that's a wrap thank you so much for tuning in I really hope this episode served you and gave some practical insights and strategies around the next steps in transforming your love life from the inside out. Do come and let me know over on Instagram what resonated for you the most and why. I am at Persia Lawson. And if you want more tips and tools on how to become a vibrational match for the powerful, committed relationship that you deserve, check out my book, Love is Coming, as well as my programs and coaching containers over at persialawson.com. This website is also linked in this episode's show notes. And if you got value from this episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd like, subscribe, share, and or leave a quick review. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other women who want or need the support. And to have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. Until next time, I want you to remember that love is coming for you. But in the meantime, it's your responsibility to stop looking outside of yourself for the partner you want to get and start looking inside of yourself for the partner you want to be.